The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Marie's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Samari, who's your guest today? We have a wonderful guest today who is an attorney, Michelle Huff, and she is the author of this great new book that I've been reading called The Transformative Negotiator, Changing How We Come to Agreement from the Inside Out. And let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. She has practiced intellectual property and licensing law for over 25 years. She's currently Senior Associate University Counsel at the University of New Mexico, where she specializes in intellectual property, research, and technology. Prior to joining UNM, um, Michelle was an adjunct professor at the School of Law and managed the Archer Law Group, which is a boutique firm specializing in licensing and IP, which is intellectual property law. She has negotiated on behalf of Fortune 500 companies and startups, and she mentors new lawyers and entrepreneurs in training and presents on negotiation to administrators, managers, graduate students, creative entrepreneurs, and incubator clients. You can find out more about her at conflicthealing.com, where we've got her picture and her bio and a JPEG of her new book. And you can also go to michellehuff.com, and that's spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-E-H-U-F-F.com. So we're just thrilled to have her joining us. Michelle, thank you for joining us from beautiful New Mexico. Thank you so much, Mari. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. So we are kindred spirits, <laughs> as you could probably know. So tell us, how is it that you decided to write this book, The Transformative Negotiator, and how did you come up with the, the intent and title? Well, um, when I left uh, Silicon Valley after my uh, startup experience, I think I felt a little bit lost. I came back to New Mexico, and I wasn't sure I wanted to practice law anymore. So I signed up to become a doctor of oriental medicine, which was way outside <laughs> my professional scope. Um, but it did align with my meditation practice, which I had, it, I had started about 10 years earlier. The, the difficulty was that after a semester at, um, at Chinese medicine school, I, I knew I didn't want to be an acupuncturist. It was very different than when I went off to law school knowing that I wanted to be a lawyer. Right. I think what I realized was that I wanted to bring healing energy into my lawyering. 
which was very different and required that I stop going to acupuncture school and take the bar in New Mexico and start my own law firm. Mm. And that's pretty much what I did. And I, I spent the first few years doing a lot of pro bono work, um, giving, giving talks to community organizations and uh, incubators and um, different groups of people, artists and, and entrepreneurs both in the areas of intellectual property and negotiation. And I think that's when I began the process of writing down this sort of unique combination of, sort of negotiating with a meditative angle uh, attached to it. Right, right. Well, so, yeah, and, and I, I like what you talk about mindfulness because uh, you get a kick out of that. I'm actually doing a program. I just did a program for attorneys on mindfulness. And then... Last Monday, I just did a program on, uh, you know, authentic power, civility, and um, and ethics in negotiations. So we are definitely kindred spirits trying to bring in that that higher consciousness, that mindfulness, that that uh, spiritual vent to um, negotiation, which is just terrific. So anyway, so tell me, um, what is in your mind, transformative negotiation? Well, it's, 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 it's a practice. I would call it a practice. And what it does is it, 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 it takes the power of connection and universal energy and helps shape how we come to agreement differently than the way we've been taught negotiating theory and negotiating strategy in the past. I mean, we've spent a great deal of time learning the principles of uh, getting to yes and win-win negotiation. This, I think, takes, takes negotiating a step further. I, I view it as a holistic practice where we understand as much about our negotiating partner's motivations, wants, and needs as we do our own. And we try to acknowledge our own biases and judgments and attachments and recognize those in our partner, and it, at the end, what I'm what I'm going for is that we try in the negotiating process not to have any judgments, only to uh, practice compassion and empathy, both for ourselves as negotiators and for uh, our partners who, whom we're negotiating with. Right, and so when you talk about uh, changing how we come to agreement from the inside out. That's talking about really being um, probably including our emotional intelligence, right? And Absolutely. really understanding who we are and, and meeting that that place of where we are at a, at a genuine level and get to that, hopefully, that same place in, in our negotiation partner, right? Exactly. I, I think that's one of the most important parts of of transformative negotiation is understanding who we are, um, both from the, as you said, from the standpoint of our emotional intelligence, but also, you know, what really deeply understanding our wants and needs, understanding uh, the why of negotiation. I spend uh, an entire chapter on talking about, you know, the why of negotiation. Frequently, I think negotiations uh, get blocked or stalled because people are not being sort of honest about why they're negotiating. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and, 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 and a lot of times people are uh, afraid to, to ask why. <laughs> they, maybe they don't want to hear the answer. Um, but I think that's one of the, one of the most important tools uh, is being able to ask, you know, questions to really get to the, to the bottom of what, what we want and need out of the negotiation. I think that makes it much easier to come to agreement, obviously. So when you're trying to do a deal, like in Silicon Valley, you know, hopefully at that point um, there isn't the kind of negativity and conflict that we deal with when people are in a dispute, right? Right. So um, that you don't get the amygdala brain as much involved <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because you're you you pretty much got your endorphins going you're excited to start this new deal and and things are pretty positive um so, but what about when there's a real conflict you know like what i deal with all the time as a mediator and, and you've dealt with all the time as a opposing counsel right right well it's interesting because I think even in the context of commercial negotiations, even though there is that, as you as you mentioned, that excitement, that that building value and creating sort of positive relationships, I I often found that that there were instances in those kinds of negotiations where you could get into conflict. Oh yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but I think on some level, the 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 place where conflict. The place where transformative negotiation really helps uh, with conflict, I think, is uh, taking into account, I mean, being compassionate and also practicing sort of detachment from some of the more emotionalism uh, aspects of, of conflict. So it usually involves, you know, heated emotions, frequently anger and fear, sometimes ignorance. A lot of the things that you know are are considered uh, causes of suffering in, in in the Buddhist world, and being able to practice uh, letting go of those things and being compassionate, whether it's whether it's your stuff or whether it's your negotiating partner's stuff. And I think that applies regardless of whether you're in a high conflict situation where you're mediating uh, in either in a, in a in a divorce situation or some kind of you know litigation. Uh, or, or you're doing it in the context of of, uh, of a commercial deal, right? So it, you know, for people who are really angry, it's hard for them to get to that point of of really getting compassion because they're not feeling it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I have some tricks that I try and do, and and I think we're kindred spirits. I'm a meditator myself, but you know, I have a bell. I have an Asian bell, and when things start to heat up, the bell rings, and no one's allowed to talk until you don't hear the sound of the bell anymore, which helps a little, and then we talk about and then I get my energy really um, serene. Um, but m- most people are not where you are, or, you know, they're, they're not um, in a place of meditation and staying within that um you know that that place of getting centered. So, what do we do with them? How does it work with them? Well, I, I think it's a really good question. I mean, I, in 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 one sense, the book um, tries to give people tools that are not necessarily dependent on you know many years of meditation practice. Obviously, if if you meditate, that's wonderful. It helps you. You learn how to breathe. You learn. 
posture. Uh, there are many, many different things you, you can use in the context of a, an emotional uh, negotiation or an angry negotiating partner. Mm -hmm. but there are other things. I mean, one of the things that I tell people is you need to be able to deflect and that comes a little bit more from my martial arts training. So you use a bell as a way of deflecting and getting people focused on something else. Uh, a negotiator can also use words uh, as a way of deflecting some of the energy that's coming at them. And one, I remember one commercial negotiation where the lawyer on the other side was very, very angry. I, I, I knew he wasn't angry at me. I was having a hard time feeling compassionate toward him, though. He was screaming. Yeah. And I, I felt a little bit backed into a corner, and finally I just shouted, and I said, you know, I can't hear you when you're screaming at me. <laughs> and I think what happened was I used that now as sort of a, a, a deflector phrase because all of a sudden he kind of got really quiet. It was almost like your bell. Right. Uh, it, it was a way of getting him to say, wait, this is, okay, I have to own my stuff here, what, what's going on? I mean, it turned out later that I found out what the real reason was for his, his upset, and it really didn't have anything to do with me or the negotiation. But you're right, you, you, I try to give people in the book tools to be able to deflect that anger if, if it's not possible to, you know, to, to get someone into a place of um, reduced emotionalism. And the other, the other possibility, obviously, is you, you need to know that you're, it's okay to walk away. If something is going terribly wrong, it, it, there's nothing wrong with walking away from a negotiation and saying, you know, this doesn't seem to be the right time for us to be engaging right, in right. this negotiation. <clears throat> Why don't we reschedule? Why don't we each take some time and come back together? And, I mean, name a time in an hour uh, in the next few days, right. I'll call you in a week, depending on how you know how awful the situation really is. Right, right. And what you have in that first chapter, really listen, is really key. And I think when you said that I can't hear you when you're screaming, was saying I'm willing to listen. Um, so <laughs> basically, I'll listen to you if you're not screaming. Right. And, um, you know, one of the tricks, it's not really a trick, I think it's just a powerful tool and skill, is to just really listen. I always tell my students and uh, anyone else that um, if I'm teaching that your most powerful tool in negotiation and deflecting conflict is really listening. So if someone yells at you, you just say, oh, I, that's helpful information, tell me more, and then they do, you know, and then just let them tell you what it is, because then you can find out what's really going on. It's not easy to do, though, because people are have a tendency when they're getting yelled at, or when they're being accused or attacked, they have this tendency to want to defend themselves, and that only escalates it. So you got to do that verbal Aikido, which is just to kind of lean into it and say, wow, that's helpful information. I didn't know you felt that way. Tell me more about that. Right. And that seems to really also deflect, right? Yes, I think it does. It, it really helps to diffuse it. I think what, what happens is anger is looking for something to help it grow. It's kind of like the fire with oxygen, right? It needs, right. If you cut off the oxygen, if you basically 
um, make it so that it isn't penetrating, so that it doesn't incite you to get angry, where you can stay sort of feeling and open and be able to listen. And I agree with you, Mari. Listening is probably one of the most important tools for a negotiator and one that takes an incredible amount of practice. Yes. I think more practice, I spent more years practicing really true, deep, active listening than I have meditating. And, it, and it's really hard. I think especially for us as lawyers, we are taught to be doing lots of other things when other people are talking, but not listening. We're, we're taught to you know, prepare a response. We're waiting to jump in. We're making judgments. We're analyzing. We're doing a whole lot when someone else is talking, and that leaves very little time for us to actually listen to what they're saying. Right, and whenever we do that, whenever we are preparing, we're listening so we can prepare our response, we're missing so much, you know? I, we I miss agree. so much in that, that that we could settle something or, or we could really learn if we could just, like, be receptive, be in that receptive state to really listen. Any time that people yell at me and I just really listen... I just just the fact that I my energy is really listening and not trying to react um, helps so much, you know, to to resolve things just just from that. So there is that whole thing in in the brain too, like our primitive brain. Um, you know, is the one that that gets angry. You know, we feel attacked. We feel um, accused. Anything like that in our primitive brain just kind of takes over and and at that point we can't even be logical until we get centered again so that's why it's so important you know um for people to just recognize that they've got to do something to get them out of that fight flight (laughs) get crazy uh primitive brain uh that reptilian brain and then get into um you know the 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 more uh the you know the more understanding brain where you can actually think logically. Exactly. And, and I think, just as you said, um, most of the time, if in your mind you're, you're practicing your listening skills and practicing your sort of your deflection skills, the other thing that's important is, you know, you are not, I mean, you are physically obviously in the room and therefore you're the target of the anger but you are not the reason. You know, that's, why I, that's why I stress so much, you know, why? Asking why. What is making you angry? Why are you reacting this way? Mm-hmm. What have I said? Have I triggered something in you? Let's talk about this, but let's do it civilly so that we right. can hear each other. Right. Right? I right. Mean, and there are ways that you can use just words um, to, to accomplish that, and, but, it, but you're right, it takes a lot to to avoid that 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 triggering mechanism that fight or flight kind of defensive um, place where you close up you you won't be open and and nothing will get done and I think that's the most common response right, right. that's why we have so much conflict and that's why people like us are working to try to heal it exactly exactly and, you know, this is why sometimes we need a third party, whether it's you or me, to be who is not in, ingrained in that or enmeshed in that fight, 
you know, to kind of say, okay, tell me, and, and then I can tell you back. And then they go, oh, okay, I'm being heard for the first time. Because when you're yelling at each other, you're e- speaking at each other, not with each other, mm-hmm. not to hear each other. Right. So h- how does Buddhism interact with transformative negotiations? Well, it's the, the book is loosely structured around uh, some of the teachings of the Buddha. They're, they're known as the Eightfold Path. And it's basically what, what, what the Buddha was talking about was there's a, he calls it, there's actually a list of, of eight things. It's right view, right thought, uh, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And when he, he was using the word right, he wasn't meaning right as in opposite of wrong. He right. Was meaning, you know, the... The, the way, the mm-hmm. way of, the, the view of the world, the way you think in a, in, a, in a manner that's not, you know, attached or delusional. You speak, you don't, you speak clearly, you don't gossip, you don't, um, you're not harmful in your speech, etc. So right, in all right. the different things that you do along that path, um, you take on those, you take on those principles. So much of the book, even though I don't talk about these things specifically, goes into how, you know, speech and listening and um, effort, how your effort, the mindfulness aspect that, that you brought up at the very beginning of the interview. And then, of course, uh, trying to not be attached, which is very hard. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about negotiation, there's something about it that makes you feel like you're starting off from a place of attachment. Right. Because you're saying, I want this. Right, right. I want right. to modify your behavior to get this thing, whatever it is. Right, right. And um, and each of you has that attachment to something. So there's there's that part of negotiation. And what I'm trying to do is get people to a place where you're not entirely attached to the outcome. There may be a way where you can engage your partner to find something that you might want, but it might not have been where you started. Right, right. And I think what happens is a lot of a lot of negotiating theory focuses on the transaction. Mm-hmm. Right? What is the transaction? How much am I going to get? How much is my alimony going to be? Or how much am I going to pay for this license agreement? And we focus very much on the material aspect. And my goal in writing the book was was being able to show people that there was something greater than that in negotiations that there was a possibility of building relationships with, with, with the people you're negotiating with, something that would be healthy and long-lasting. And, and when you build that relationship and you build something long-lasting, you could also be building something better than you even thought of in the beginning. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, I just did a business mediation just you know a couple of weeks ago that the parties had worked together and had been doing business to business for 10 years, and then this horrible thing happened, and they didn't want to do business together. But then by the time we settled everything, they were ready to do more business together in a different way. Because in a they, different way. Exactly. Yeah, because they saw that, that as time had evolved and technology had evolved, things had to be different. And they were kind of clinging to their own old way 
And then when I just asked the question, well, how could you work together in a way that will avoid this in the future? Well, then they started getting creative. Right. So, um, you know, that's it's just asking those questions and, and becoming team members instead of adversaries, you know? That exactly, and I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, I, I, I see this as a method that really does uh, focus on um, not, not, not just win-win. I mean, it, it, to me, it's not yeah, about it's, winning, so I, I don't like that. I don't no, like I always say equation. mutual gain because I don't right. like win-win. I go, well, how can, we, how can you mutually come out with something that you can live with and love and be, feel good about? Right. You know, I, I, right. people say win-win, and win-win means, you know, if you have a winner, you have to have a loser. So you might win one thing and you'll lose something. That's exactly right. But and, it doesn't and I make sense. it also sense. forces people, and sometimes not in a good way, to, to, to compromise too quickly. Yes. And, and one of the chapters in the book, I talk about, uh, again, walking away from a negotiation. There were you know, several times where we had agreed, uh, I had negotiated my heart out for a company, and uh, it was a very difficult negotiation, primarily because of cultural differences, which I spend some time talking about in the book. But we, we got to a place where my client was ready to sign the deal because they really, really needed a U.S. customer. Mm. And I kept telling them, do you understand that this, I know you've made some compromises, I know they've made some compromises, but there is an element of sort of just domination on their part that makes me feel like their negotiating behavior is going to continue after we sign the agreement. Mm. And there were some some real deliverables in the agreement that, that I knew my client could not meet. Mm. But they were convinced that, you know, it's just the contract. We're, we'll work it out. Oh, dear. You know, it's the people. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we'll figure it out. And I thought, oh, I, okay, I'm, I'm advising you not to sign it, but I realize I don't make the decision. I just advise. And they went ahead and they signed. And um, sure enough, I mean, I, I don't like being right. About things like this, but your gut was telling you. Yeah, it turned out they were in. You know, they 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 ended up in litigation about seven Mm. or eight months later. Mm. And so they won. I mean, they both won. They both compromised, but there was still an element of, you know, that it's it's just not right. There's something that isn't healthy about the way this whole negotiation took place and what what we're left with. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have a few more, just a couple more minutes, and I wanted to get to this about the men and women in negotiation. Here you are a a woman negotiator, and I'm a woman negotiator, and we have people driving by with our own little Silicon Valley and Elisa Viejo, and, you know, uh, that area is not uh, heavily with women. (laughs) So um, what about, can you just give us like a quick overview of the difference between men and women in negotiation? Well, it's actually, it's really interesting. I think um, from, from, a, from the perspective of a purely transactional, non-emotional uh, kind of uh, viewpoint, I think men probably make better negotiators. But I feel like now we are in a time where most of the skills, the innate skills that women have, which is better able to connect, making connections with people, mindful of the human side, not just the transactional side, uh, more emotive, 
that those kinds of attributes actually make women better transformative negotiators than men. I'm obviously stereotyping, which I <laughs> tell my readers not to do because it's dangerous. But, um, yeah. but I, think, I think that, you know, there are aspects of um, who we are as women and how we approach things that really help in, in these kinds of negotiations, in moving past sort of the pure transaction, transactional aspects of the negotiation. Yeah, and our brains are actually different. Our brains are very different. And, yeah. and uh, interestingly, I went to a, a, a workshop uh, not too long ago with a, a neuropsychologist who said, and hormones obviously also affect right. negotiation in terms of when is a good time or a bad time to negotiate, both for men and for women. Fascinating. Well, we are just out of time, Michelle. Uh, Michelle Huff is an attorney and the author of The Transformative Negotiator, Changing How We Come to Agreement from the Inside Out. Why don't you just give your website, Michelle, and then it's time for us to go. Well, thank you so much, Mari. I really appreciated this. And my website is www.michellehuff.com. And we will keep in touch. Great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org. And the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m. And visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.